Hey, it's Aaron, and welcome back to Family Travel Radio. Got a great guest coming up for you today. His name is Derek Loudermilk from the Art of Adventure podcast and many other ventures, as you will see when we get into my conversation with Derek. But before we do that, I wanted to point you in the direction of a super cool family travel video that I had the honor, the pleasure of being a part of here recently, just about a week and a half ago. We published a video. It's three minutes long and features 24 That's two full dozen, 24 members of the family travel media. We have bloggers, we have journalists, and we also have, we also have world schoolers and family travel advisors, an incredible collection of family travel folks from across the globe gathered together to virtually produce a super cool family travel video. It's a fun and inspiring message from the family travel community amidst this coronavirus pandemic when we're all locked down in our various corners of the world. I'm going to have a link to that video in the show notes at familytravel.org slash radio. Check out the video, show your support for family travel by sharing that video, and you're going to see some familiar faces in that video for sure, many of whom have been guests on this podcast. So once again, in the show notes, familytravel.org slash radio, check out that family travel video. If you like, you can go ahead and hit pause, watch the video and come on right back. We've got a great guest, Derek Loudermilk, and he's coming up right now. Speaking with Derek Loudermilk today, Derek is the best-selling author of Superconductors and Activate Your Life, a high-performance business coach and founder of Adventure Quest Travel, a digital nomad, international speaker, and the host of the Art of Adventure podcast. Derek has traveled to 15 countries with his wife and their two young children. Derek Loudermilk, welcome to Family Travel Radio, my friend. Aaron, thank you for having me. Great to great to connect with you. <laughs> Indeed, I, I would have loved I would love to have been able to give folks an inside look at what you and I have been dealing with for the last almost thirty two minutes now, trying to connect. Zoom has been my best friend for a couple of years now, and especially in the last couple of weeks. But it let us down here. Derek and I could see each other but not hear each other. And what I was aware of was like because we couldn't hear each other, I was observing my own first impressions of you from just your your face and how you're being. And I was also thinking you're probably doing the same for me. And I was like, ah, I wonder if this, you know, if it would change once we can hear our voices. It, it, you know, it's just an interesting observation that bubbled up for me. I think we've got a, a show on our hands here. You know, first impressions without audio. And that, yeah, like you spend five minutes on a call with a video call with somebody with no audio. And then you have to turn to like a, a private camera and tell, talk about what you think about this person on the other side. And then you reconnect them and finally talk. Cause my first impression was, wow, his beard's way longer than it is in the picture that he sent me. Uh, my, my impression was that uh, you're more enthusiastic even than I was expecting. So that's, I like that. So <laughs> I enthusiasm without, without speaking. That's, that's cool. I've never, see, that's great. That's great insight into, I wish I had something more pro- prolific than just your beard is longer. Than- <laughs> it could be a fun, you know, quarantine dating show, like a uh, type of type of thing. Si- silent dating in quarantine. <laughs> <sighs> so D- Derek, my friend. So first of all, where are you checking in from today? You look like you're home there. Yeah, this is, uh, we actually just bought this house a few months ago. My, we were living in Portugal last year and we were going to move to Romania and my wife said, actually, I'd like to try to settle down a little bit. And I was like, whoa, what a radical idea. 
so we spent the remainder of the summer shopping for houses. And this was like the 35th house that we looked at. And then we walked right in. My wife said, oh, this is my house. And I was like, how, how do you know? It's, I mean, it's a nice one, but uh, so it was, it was very clear that this was the house. So, so I had to make it happen and uh, we love it here. <laughs> so your wife wanted to settle down, Derek. What was she wanting to settle down from? Paint us that picture of, of life pre-settling down in St. Louis there. Yeah. When, when my wife and I met, we were both living in Bali and uh, we were both single and didn't have any Hope kids. So. <laughs> I had been, you know, building this digital nomad dream for a while before I started it. And then I was doing it for several years before I met my wife. And I, so we tried to continue. Uh, we had one kid and the second kids, so our kids are one in three now. And we were moving slowly through the world, uh, living, you know, three months at a time in a country, uh, also living sometimes in, in the U.S., probably about half the time in, in the U.S. and half the time abroad. And there are some things that are, are amazing, um, just, you know, living in these neighborhoods and experiencing daily life in many different countries was everything that I wanted. And Heidi would meet really good friends, some really amazing people. Like when, when we were in the birthing class here, we decided, we decided to have our first kid in the state. So we came back to St. Louis, which is where I grew up. And we met some amazing friends in the birthing class. And then we went abroad and she was like, oh, I miss these people we met. And so we came back and we met some more people. And so it's, it was really just this thread of building a community in a different way. We had built a digital nomad community and we had built friendships. You know, when you're somewhere for three months, you kind of like spend the first month building friendships as fast as you can so that you can enjoy them for the next two months, but then you leave. And so that was, I think the main thing was these sort of, there's no shortcut to old friends. And we wanted to establish that for ourselves and for our kids. So that's, that was, I think probably the, the fundamental value that caused us to, to want to settle here. No shortcut to old friends. That's a quote. Is that a, is that an original Derek Loudermilk quote? You know, I've been doing these annual ski trips with my college buddies for the last 20 years. Now this is, this is our, I think it was our 18th annual or something like that. Um, and, and I had just sort of realized, you know, like, why am I going through all this expense to, you know, to bring all these guys together from all over the country and all over the world every year? Skiing's not cheap. We get these, you know, we get these big mountain houses. And actually, putting together those ski trips is what evolved into part of my business, the, the Adventure Quest trips where I lead entrepreneurs. And, uh, you know, we, we got to spend all this time together in college, but to keep the friendship going, you have to keep investing in the communication and actually scheduling time to get together. And it's a, it's a, you know, big expense in a lot of ways, but there's, yeah, when you get to be, when you get to be 80, you can't, you can't make lifelong friends when you're 80 because you, you have to, so, so it's just something I sort of considered. And so, so I started doubling down on these childhood friendships and college friendships, people that, that I had been friends with and, and want to continue that, um, the evolving friendship, you know, and some people evolve away from that. You know, if you don't, if you no longer really want to be friends, that's fine. But a lot of, a lot of people will continue to be friends. You want to stay friends with. And, um, and that's a, that's an important value of mine. So other than 
communications and just simply the passage of time. What are some of the other fundamental pieces that build those those bonds that old friendships are created from? Well, I will often you know, when I, when I think of something that people will appreciate, like a, like a newspaper article or something that makes me think of a specific person, just to let them know that I'm thinking about them, I'll send them that article or that note. Uh, lately, my friends have been showing up a lot in my dreams. And uh, this, this might be something for us to talk about adventuring in dream time. Uh, but I'll, this is, this is actually really interesting. So I'll get people showing up in my dreams and maybe something will happen. And then I'll reach out and I'll tell them about like, you were in my dream. It was super cool. And sometimes things happen because of it. So I had these two friends that I dreamed we were doing, uh, both of them are adventurers and, and sort of Instagram influencers. And I had the dream that we were doing a stunt wedding for Instagram on top of a mountain, like the most adventurous wedding. And they were getting married. And I said, Hey, you guys, you know, this is funny. Like had this dream and they realized that they were both going to be in LA at the same time. And they went on a date and they had never met before and they really dug each other. And so they're like, well, maybe we'll keep dating. And I was like, Oh my gosh, you know, what if my dream set you, set you up? So, you know, it's just, it's just kind of these funny, uh, funny things that happen, but it's, um, when, when I reach out, a lot of people tell me like, oh, I'm so bad at reconnecting. So, so I've taken that on as my job to continue the communication. People are always happy when you say, you know, just thinking about you or here's the thing that made me think of you or even scheduling getting together in some random country is always fun too. I've been tempted to do what you described, but I, I can't think of a time where I actually did it. Reaching out to somebody who I haven't been in contact with in a while who showed up in a dream and I don't do it because they're in my mind, I'm like, Oh, they're going to think that's super creepy. Have you ever had that happen? It doesn't sound like you have. People are like, what would happen if, if someone, if I was like, Aaron, you were in my dream last night and I told you this scenario, like, how would you feel? Yeah. When you make it, when you break it down that simply, I would probably say, Oh, that's cool. That's, that's neat. And um, and then I'll have been glad to have reconnected and have the conversation. Yeah. It's, uh, it's kind of flattery almost in a sense. Yeah. Like, wow. Your subconscious was thinking about me like, Oh, amazing. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's true. Maybe I want to start doing that. I think this one thing that this whole so we're going to timestamp this interview. This is April the fourth here, twenty twenty, where Derek and I are both locked down in our homes amidst the COVID nineteen pandemic. Uh, but one thing that's that I've noticed with myself is just uh, I've been a lot quicker to just be vulnerable and just tell people how I'm really feeling as opposed to just saying everything's fine. Because there's been times over the last few weeks where things haven't been fine, and it's just only so long you can just bury that. And kind of on that same note, it's like, why would I, you know, maybe just stop burying the fact that I'm thinking about somebody like an old friend? Cause in my mind, like, Oh, they don't want to hear from me or, Oh, they're going to think it's creepy that I'm thinking about them. We haven't talked in 20 years, but maybe the Aaron 2.0 post pandemic could be like, I'm going to reach out and call that person because of blah, 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 because Derek Laddermilk told me to. <laughs> now I'm curious. It, so you're referring to Aaron 2.0, like, is this fundamentally changing the way you think about yourself? No, this is maybe just like, maybe if I was being really real, it'd be more like maybe version 1.1. It's not, we haven't gotten its full 2.0 yet. And, and I'm, I'm not saying that I, I necessarily need this big overhaul of my life, but I've noticed some changes and I've been embracing them. And one of them is like the, I've gotten to a couple points where like, I can't 
just tell people that everything's fine. Cause I, I just can't like, my, like my bucket is, it's overflowing. I, I can't, I can't, the, the balloon's about to burst. And then when I let the balloon burst, I feel better. And just saying, you know, things are effed up right now and I need to vent. I'm pissed about this, that, and the other thing, or the walls are closing in on me or the kids are driving me nuts. And, and that's okay. It's okay to say that, you know, it doesn't mean you're admitting you're a bad father because you say my kids are driving me crazy or I just needed a break. So I put them in front of the TV. Like those are things that would really eat me up before. And I feel like now is like, you just, you got to do what we can to, to keep on keeping on and stay sane and safe. Yeah, totally. Uh, normally uh, I, it's funny that you mentioned the TV, you know, I'm, I have this unwritten rule in my head. Like they have to spend more time outside than in front of the TV and especially if it's a rainy day, there's nothing I can do. And it, it's, it's this battle of like, I, I owe it to them to, to continue being adventurous. And also, you know, this is like a, I think of it like a season in a sense. In the old days, uh, I, I read this account of what French peasants did in the old days. They would just lie, you know, 10 people in a bed uh, and huddle up to keep warm. And just, they were just in bed, you know, 12, 14, 15 hours a day for a few months. And, you know, before there was electricity and, and things like that, that could keep you up. So, so I'm, I'm just thinking about like the seasonality of this and how it's going to, you know, pass at some point, but we'll experience this kind of like a second winter. We're just coming out of winter here and in St. Louis, and this is just kind of extending winter, but in a different way. You're talking about maintaining those those connections, and it sounds like you have some, you know, with, with your talk about your digital nomad community, folks that are dotted all over the globe. You're used to keeping in touch and keeping up with people virtually. So, how is has that really changed much? Given that you haven't been able to leave the house, given that so much of your community is spread out anyway. What I've noticed is more people are reaching out back to me that that it seems to have created space for other people to to sort of think about oh you know i have this relationship with with derek from 2 years ago or 3 years ago and circling back and and it's interesting because i consider myself to 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 because i because i think about building and maintaining these relationships i'm a good good networker if you want to call it that other people are wanting to tap into my network now, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll email me and say, Hey, uh, I'm stuck in Canada for a few months, <laughs> not traveling anymore. And now I have this project that I want to do. Can you, can you introduce me to some people or can you help me think about, you know, building connections remotely? Uh, which is something I think about, you know, before we move to a place, I try to meet some people there so that we have, we've already dipped our toe into the community and so, but it's, it's changing people's thinking, right? You're not going to go to a, an event or go on the digital nomad cruise or just go to yoga class and meet somebody. But because we're a social species, we still need to be continuing to, to fill that um, desire. I agree. So let's, let's talk a little bit about your life before this, you're a fascinating guy. There's a million different ways we could go with this. I mean, we could just talk about your beard for 45 minutes, but I'm not going to do that to you. So you're a high performance business coach, digital nomad, founder of several businesses, a podcaster, which I love. You're an, you're an author. So tell me what, what was it about, about the, just the overarching, your overarching need or craving of adventure that fueled you to, to, 
to, to move forward in this lifestyle that you created for yourself? Yeah, this is actually my third try at a career, at an adventurous career. My first uh, objective after I graduated college was to be a professional cyclist. And I thought, oh, I'm going to get paid to travel the world and race and all these cool locations. And I trained really hard and I got to the point where I was in the professional ranks, but kind of like the worst uh, professional. The worst of the best. Yeah. It was going to take way more. And I wasn't sure that I was willing or able to get to the, you know, the point where I could actually race the Tour de France. So, and I, and I also realized that pro athletes all retire at some point early, you know, in their like 35, 40, and that's kind of the limit, right? So there's still all these decades after that, where you, you still need a career. So I said, okay, now I'm going to knowing that I'm going to have to do that anyway. I said, I'm going to go, and be a scientist and explorer and work in Yellowstone National Park. And it's interesting that we're talking about, you know, this, this pandemic, because I was studying viruses, not human viruses, but I was studying viruses that lived in boiling acid in the hot springs in Yellowstone. And my goal was just to discover new species because I thought that is what the beginnings of, of life on earth were like, you know, there's a lot of volcanoes and the, you know, the, Oceans were probably boiling. So I said, okay, where, where will I find similar conditions to the beginning of the planet? Yellowstone. So I went there to, to look for new species. And, and I ended up discovering uh, a new virus. And it was this really cool eureka moment when, when you're looking in the microscope and you're just kind of you know, moving, the, moving the slide around. And all you're seeing, you, know, you see like little particles of maybe dust or dirt or something. And all of a sudden, right, there's this perfect soccer ball hexagon that you can tell is a, is a virus. So viruses are kind of like M&Ms, right? They have a shell on the outside and their genes are on the inside. Very simple. But just to, just to have that eureka moment and say, oh my gosh, there it is. I see it right there in front of me. And it's so cool. And then I spent the next three years trying to, you know, grow more of it and just to characterize and understand it. And so this eureka moment was had to be backed up by years and years of long, arduous, repetitive work that I wasn't outside in Yellowstone National Park anymore. I was in the dark room, you know, plugging away at the computer in the middle of the night. And there's this, you know, single burst of glamour of going out in the park, taking a sample and discovering a species followed by years of stuff that I didn't want to be doing. And so, so I had to ultimately decide, uh, did I want to spend my whole life doing that sort of, you know, 5% exciting, 95% not exciting. Uh, so, so I decided to pivot again and I had read four hour work week and slowly created a series of businesses, uh, as it's the, okay. So <laughs> I want to, want to summarize this quickly. My first when I decided to, to move to Vietnam, that was the first place I went. I said, I need about $1,000 a month. And that, because that was my expected cost of living. Uh, I was uh, traveling with my ex at the time. And so I started, uh, I was a cyclist. So I um, took on four clients as a cycling coach, people that wanted to become professionals. So I could take them to the point where I had taken myself and they're each paying me $250 a month. And there's my thousand dollars and 
off I went to to Vietnam, and that's kind of kind of what started the digital nomad journey. I think there's an interesting lesson in there when you're talking about you know you're discovering the virus at Yellowstone. Like, is you got exactly what you wanted, but what was waiting for you on the other side was not what you envisioned. I think there's a lot of situations in life where, where people, they envision this life for themselves and this path of how they're going to get there. And even they do every, they accomplish everything they want to accomplish. They do everything they want to do. And then they're still not happy. Sometimes it's just an internal struggle. But in your case, it was like, this is not what I thought I was signing up for. So how do you use that that experience to, to, to mentor and, and teach those who want to kind of recreate this this entrepreneurial, solopreneurial path that you've created for yourself? Yeah, a couple, a couple things there. One, um, I, think it's, I think it's good to keep in mind that you can, if you, if you try something, if you go to grad school, if you go to med school, if you take a job, you can always reverse that decision. You can always decide to move on. And a lot of people, I think, get stuck in uh, this is an irreversible decision or it's going to affect my life or I'm going to have these sunk costs like, oh, I'm two thirds of the way through med school. I have to finish. And they're not thinking about the cost in the time, but they're thinking about, oh, I've already paid for some part of school. Or I've already learned all these skills, so I can't pivot careers. And the reality is that people are changing careers more and more frequently. And um, you you will need to learn to pivot. You will need to learn to, to bring your skills up in, in a new level some, somehow, right? The, the career landscape is changing for everybody. So just, just being comfortable with shifting and growing and, and learning, I think is, a, is just sort of a basic skill. Like knowing that you're going to be a beginner several times in your adult life, knowing that you'll be uncomfortable because the landscape will change around you. Obviously, people are in that situation right now. A lot of people are losing their jobs. A lot of people are wondering what their life is going to be like. And I think if you can, so, so a lot of my clients, my business clients will train being uncomfortable in different ways. We'll, we'll push them to the edge of their comfort zone in business, in speaking, in learning a skill so that when, when you're used to being a beginner, when you're used to starting over again, it becomes much less of a, of a thing to be afraid of, but something you're just familiar with. Here's this process of what it's like to acquire a new skill. And now that we're, we're cooped up here at home, you know, there's certain skills that I'm going back to thinking about, okay, what specific skills do I want to be working on? And actually, so the other day (laughs) I, uh, I've always wanted to ride a wheelie. Uh, with my bike, and, but I've you know been riding for many years, and I've never learned to ride a wheelie. And the pro the 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 one sticking point for me is that is the balance point when I tip the wheel up and then I just fall off the back, and it's super scary for me. So I decided what I need is just to prop my bike up at an angle on the stairs and stabilize the rear wheel, and just sit on the bike at the point where it's almost about to tip me back, and. So I, so I deconstructed the whole process and now I'm uh, in my basement sit, just sitting on my bike with it tipped up and it feels really uncomfortable. And that feeling is the same sort of discomfort you would get if you arrive in a new country or if you decide to change careers or any of these things. So just getting used to that discomfort feeling and not being so afraid of it, I think is, is a really valuable thing to train. Or to decide to 
more or less against your will become a homeschool teacher when the world shuts down. That was that was a there was a lot of uncomfort and I, and I'm pretty decent at rolling with the punches and I totally get what you're saying about pushing yourself out of the comfort zone but I feel like certain people were probably better prepared than others to to adjust to any new normal especially within as a member of a family where you have multiple responsibilities you have a spouse you have children you have your own career your own job and there's a there's a lot to to unpack there so how do you like how would you translate that to to like a parenting situation even and it doesn't necessarily have to apply to career but just as a parent wanting to carry around that notion that you want to push yourself outside your comfort zone but then also pass that on to your own children how do you how do you work that inside your own life well what's what's actually coming up for me is um <clears throat> uh, in this time we're stuck at home there's an opportunity for me to be more present or pay more attention to my kids. And what I've noticed is that a lot of times I'm so, so thinking of my kids as adults and how would I convince an adult to do something that I want them to do, like brush their teeth or get ready for bed. You wouldn't, you wouldn't just pick them up and say, Oh, we're doing this now. You would try to, uh, enroll them in doing the thing that, that you want them to do. And so where a lot of um, what I'm realizing where a lot of times I've just used the fact that I'm a bigger person and in charge as the parent to just like force my kids to do a thing now. And and maybe this is something because my kids are young, maybe this is something that comes up more as kids get more talkative and and can, can rationalize more, but um when I become more aware and slow down a little bit and see where my kids are, then I get a lot less crying and resistance when I can sort of enroll them in the, in the process, whether it's time to take a bath or whether it's, you know, time to do, do a thing. So uh, I guess, so speaking of discomfort, um, just, just getting comfortable with, shifting how I parent in, in these cases and trying to just be more present and sort of understanding their experience a little bit more before, before taking action. Talk to me a little bit. I know your kids, like you said, are young. You haven't uh, well, actually let's, let's set the stage for that. How much, tell me about the travel that you have done with your children thus far, three and one. Yeah. So our most, our most recent trip, uh, we, <laughs> when I just, just as this quarantine started, we, we went to family reunion in California. Um, but, but most years we were spending three to six months, um, three months at a time in, in country. So we started with Mexico when my son was born and then we did Croatia for three months and Hungary for three months. We did Indonesia for six months and Portugal for, for three months. And we've also done California for uh, three months at a time, a couple of times. So, so what I, what I really like to do is I think I mentioned this earlier, not just it's, it's a little bit different than, than travel. It's kind of like living in, in a place and, and getting a feel for what life is like there. And so we've actually seen way less of the world, but I've seen a lot more community gardens I've seen a lot more um, local local playgrounds and 
grocery stores and, and those types of things and um, met, you know, neighbors that I can go on a bike ride with and things like that. And ultimately my, my objective with that is to understand what, what, what it's like to, to be a human living on this planet by taking a, a large sample from, from different continents and sort of understanding, you know, how the land and the history and the country influences how people live. And it's, it's so interesting because at this time when we're all sort of realizing how interconnected we are, a traveler would experience that. And, and now sort of everybody's experiencing that zoomed out view. It's almost like now we're all taking the perspective of an astronaut, you know, when they're, when they're orbiting in the space station and they can see, right. The earth is just one single mass and we're all just populated across the earth rather than you're in this country and I'm in this country. Yes, there are differences, but what all of this living in different places sort of showed me was that it was really how similar the, the daily patterns of human life can be. I'm not sure what, I'm, I can't even remember what your question was. I kind of just got off on the, my own little rant there. <laughs> well, I was really just wanted to have you set the stage for how, for, for the travel that you've done thus far with your kids. And it's, 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 it's fascinating because we've, t- we've spoken to some digital nomad families on the podcast, but very few. It's, it's, they make up a very small percentage of the individuals that, that I've talked to or that I've come in, in contact with. And one thing that's fascinating me about your story, and I'm going to ask you to kind of tie this all together because I'm, I'm seeing, I'm connecting the dots between what you do professionally and what we can provide for the Family Travel Radio audience. I'm thinking about parents out there who really found what you just described as being something special and something aspirational. The idea that they can go to some country and be in country for three or six months at a time. And like you said, become parts of those communities, make those lifelong friends where their current existence or pre-coronavirus existence just didn't allow for it. Or they had a limiting belief that said that I can't, I can't do that. I only get two weeks of vacation a year or three weeks vacation a year, but, but our, the ways that we're, the way that we're approaching the world and the way that we're thinking about our own lives is shifting almost by the day. So what I mean by tying it all together. So how can, what can you teach parents out there who may say, you know what, I want to rethink a lot of things, including how I earn money and how I spend my time in my life. How can I use what Derek Loudermilk knows about the world to, to create a, an online business or you know, a digital nomad situation where I can still spend time with my family, earn enough money to, to be a provider, but then spend the good quality time out experiencing the world with my family. Yeah. So I think I'll tell a story of one of my <clears throat> business clients, actually. So he had always dreamed of traveling more with his family. He had, he had, a, had a four-year-old when we started working together. And he was in the real estate business, also had a podcast. And <clears throat> so we decided to do an experiment. You know, What would it take for him to live for a few months in Mexico? So he was actually going to be living in the same time zone, I believe, uh, so he could do a lot of the same business activities, finding the deals in real estate and communicating remotely with people. So, so the, the hypothesis was, I think that I can continue the real estate business remotely. And, you know, obviously a lot of, a lot of people right now are being forced to, to learn to do remote work. And there's, um, there's definitely some things that you can't do as well. Like um, a creative brainstorming session is, is harder, I think, and, and if you can't feel the energy in a, in a room with people. 
but <clears throat> there's a lot of things you can't, you can do. And so, so he spent a lot of time just looking at what are the things that I do in my life and in the business that generate income? You know, do I really need to be going to a house to meet with somebody to close a deal? Maybe, maybe not. Can I have somebody else who's the salesperson do that? And I just generate the, the, the potential customers through, through leads and marketing and things like that. So he, it, it helped also to, to really deconstruct the business. What was the most valuable things that he was doing in his business? What could he partner with somebody else to do? What could, um, what could he just stop doing because it wasn't that useful and sort of really, um, and this is going back to sort of the four hour work week. It's, um, you know, I've heard Tim Ferriss say, you know, it's not that I'm working four hours. It's that I'm trying to be more efficient with my time and do things that are more valuable and higher leverage. And I think that's a good experiment. Even if you never went to another country, do you really need to keep doing all the things that you're doing now? And just, and just assessing that and what would it take to systematize your life and your business in order to spend uh, a month in Mexico or just in order to spend a month in the woods writing a book or, or, you know, take a trip around the country in a van with your family and not feel like you had to work all the time. Because we've, we've thought about, you know, wouldn't it be sweet to do an RV tour of the national parks, but uh, thinking about Wi-Fi, how often am I going to need to be plugging in and connecting with, with clients and things like that. So there's definitely limitations. So if you can think in advance what it might take. You don't even actually have to make the trip, but it can free up time where you are now to do other things that are important. Um, so he ended up, he ended up spending these two months in Mexico and discovered that his business suffered a little bit. He wasn't able to generate as much business as he had expected. And they didn't enjoy it as much as they thought they would because of it was hard to integrate in the community. So then that was the answer. The result was, I don't really want to spend several months in another country. Uh, I want to just do more of these sort of week long trips with my family. And so that was helpful for him just to know that he liked these, you know, one to three week long trips rather than moving to a different country and that there were certain things that he had to be here in person to do in order to be as successful in real estate as he wanted. Well, that takes some, even though he sounds like the hypothesis turned out to be incorrect, but it's, but just to have the, the nerve to, to put a plan like that into action, that's, that's pretty remarkable in and of itself. And, and like you, like you said, whether or not you, you take the trip or how you actually spend that month or that three months or that six months, it's almost irrelevant. It's how you set up your life in advance to be able to do what you want to do when you want to do it. If that is travel or if that's, whatever, you fill in the blank with what you're passionate about, with what your family likes to do and how you like to spend your time and what your goals are for the future. That's just a great way to, to really think about the world. Yeah. And I, I teach, uh, because of this science background, I teach my clients about how to set up an experiment, um, <clears throat> whether it's uh, a marketing experiment or if you want to start a podcast you can, again, it's talking about a decision you can, can reverse. You can do six episodes of a podcast and didn't decide if you want to keep going. Um, and is it, you know, is it what I expected? Is, is a business 
what I expected or is living in this place what I expected? And you can just check in with yourself. Uh, does it meet my expectations? Is there anything I need to change or do I need to completely reset our family plan? And that's kind of what we did as a family, you know. Uh, we didn't know what it was going to be like to have two kids and, and travel. And we realized that while traveling is and living in these other places around the world is a value of ours, uh, slightly higher value is, is building these long-term communities. And, and I think having my kids in a school for several years in a row to build these long-term friendships, like that's, that could potentially be more valuable than if we had spent, you know, his first 10 years constantly moving. Yeah. And that, that's interesting to thinking about it. I'm an economist by, by training and by background. And I'm hearing things like the opportunity cost of like, of taking your kids out, spending the first 10 years on the road. The opportunity cost is they're foregoing those potential long-term connections. There's not to say that there wouldn't be an upside, but it's just, what does that upside look like relative to what you're leaving behind? And and only you and your family can make that decision about what's the right thing to do because there is no right answer. Another thing you've come back to several times is the idea of sunk costs. Again, uh, another economics principle. And well, uh, Seth Godin put it in a way that I, I just, I think he said it perfectly when you're trying to explain sunk costs in the terms of like your podcast example, someone starts a podcast and does six episodes. And then some people might feel compelled to keep going. Oh, well, I, I've come this far. I have to keep doing, I have to keep going. And Seth says, no, you don't. You look at that, what, you know, whatever that thing is that you're, you've been in a career that you feel like you have to keep going because you've been in it. This is what you're supposed to do. You look at everything that's gone on in the past as a, as a gift from your previous self to your current self. And you can politely reject that gift say, I realize that I've done three quarters of my law school training, but I don't want to be a lawyer. I know that for a fact. And I'm rejecting that gift from my previous self of this, you know, three quarters of a law degree. So it's it's all good stuff. And I, I feel like it's, Real, real good principles, getting people to put it into practice is challenging, which is, I imagine where you come in as a, as a personal coach to get in people's ears and help and keep them on the, on the path that you set out or that they set out on. Yeah. Where, where, do, where do I want to go to that? You know, as, as a coach, a lot of times what I'm doing is highlighting people's beliefs that they don't even know they have. And so there, there may be some attachment to a story that you have to be a certain thing. And, and what you, so actually what you're talking about is all, all these things we've done in the past uh, are really interesting because they don't exist anymore because right now we're in the present moment. And so uh, almost everybody is basing their actions and their future on something that doesn't exist anymore. And so you can, you can really only right? You can really only manage yourself like in this moment, in this moment, in this moment, and what you're doing and how you're feeling right now. And so many people get caught up in all these things from their past, which are rolled up into their story of their identity, but that actually doesn't exist anymore. And we're kind of getting in, into metaphysics here, uh, you know, that there, there actually is no, there is no linear time. It's just this, this present moment that we're experiencing. But in order to to move people, oftentimes we have to look at their life from different perspectives and uh, understand what are their stories and, and their blind spots and how they're leading their life and their business and, and all these things that are going into their decision-making that maybe they didn't even have awareness around. Um, and so in that sense, I'm holding up a mirror a lot to, to people. 
that's a that's a that's a pretty powerful mirror. And that's but, but <laughs> like I'm uh, looking. At, I feel like I'm in, I'm looking into that mirror right now. This has been kind of therapeutic in in a way. I appreciate that. Oh, good. That uh, please is pleased to hear that. <laughs> So what's what's the plan for the future, my friend? We're gonna we're gonna go into the uh, hypothesis that at some point in the future that this black cloud of COVID nineteen will lift from planet Earth, and then what's next for the Loudermilk family? I still have dreams of summers abroad. I have this. I have a bucket list. One of those items is to to live, which is three months or more on every continent. And I haven't lived in Africa. I haven't lived in South America yet. And that's all part of my, uh, I want to, to have a complete understanding of, of life uh, as a human on earth. And um, so I'm actually, so this, this is kind of interesting. I'm operating um, with this, with this assumption, some, so, okay, I'm going to go a little bit, a little bit out there. <clears throat> go as far as you like, my man. Okay. So an Oracle told me that my son was born to be an ambassador, a galactic ambassador, essentially. And so I'm approaching thinking about train, you know, because a dad is supposed to train a son. So what, so let's, let's assume humanity at some point evolves to the point where we're like a Star Trek type civilization and we're, we're colonizing the rest of the planets or perhaps even other solar systems. What are the skills that someone would need to be, you, you know, we have ambassadors from the U.S. to other countries, but what are the skills you would need to be an ambassador for the planet? And so I think experiencing life in many different parts of the planet still ties in there. But there's also, you know, essential things of what it's like to be a human on Earth, whether that's experiencing the arts um, and and food and and, and just uh, also, the the breadth of emotions that we experience that we're all experiencing right now, because of this uh, because of this pandemic, you know, people are experiencing the 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 full range of of our humanness right now, from from fear to to joy to to presence and all these things that maybe we had been moving too fast to experience. So even if right, even if we never become an intergalactic species if he grows up with those skills to be an ambassador, I think that will allow him to, to, to thrive in, in sort of this unknown future. So I'm, I'm just approaching thinking of him as a future galactic ambassador and then making decisions from that point. And there's gotta be some perks as the father of a galactic ambassador that you might enjoy in this future situation. Uh, diplomatic immunity, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Intergalactic diplomatic immunity. I could use some of that. Derek, there's one question that I had that was lingering. I, I know we're going back to the beginning part of the conversation, but when you're talking about the virus you discovered there in the, the acid, was it the, the acid pools? Yep. Yep. The hot springs, yep. How, yeah. Did you get to name the virus that you discovered? <laughs> That's so funny. Everybody asked me that. Unfortunately, there's a convention like, you know, COVID-19 really isn't that exciting in a name. Uh, mine was called MYSV, Metellosphera yellowstonensis spherical virus. Uh, basically, you name the virus after what it infects. So it infects Metellosphera yellowstonensis and uh, it's a certain, so, so spherical virus. So it looks like a soccer ball. It's round rather than like a, 
a straight line or a tube or something like that. So very, very simple naming, but I did name the hot spring uh, after myself that it was discovered in. So you can name hot springs, but you can't necessarily name viruses. So, so louder milk hot springs, are they on a map somewhere? I can find that. Uh, so, so this was interesting because when I started my work, the hot spring wasn't there. So it was both a new hot spring and a new virus. So Yellowstone, what people don't realize is these, the ground collapses and there'll be a pool that will fill up with a new hot spring that wasn't there last summer. And there's tens of thousands of hot springs. And because it's this giant volcanic caldera, the landscape is constantly changing. That's why people and Buffalo, you know, fall through the earth there sometimes. Uh, so because this, it's not, it wasn't on a map before I was able to name it. Uh, I don't even know if it's still there. I haven't been back in, in several years. Um, and it was, it was also one of these regions where you have to hike or ski sort of eight, eight kilometers off the, the beaten path. So almost nobody would ever be in that part of the park. Um, you know, but, but we happened to, to have a research permit that let us go wherever we wanted. So um, that was kind of this cool VIP experience. Could you be a more fascinating human being, Derek? Is it possible? <laughs> uh, that you know, without, what's your goal? I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I try to try to think of myself as as the Dosekis guy. Uh, that's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> Expect a call from the Dosekis people because they're going to need somebody. And and you've already got the beard. I mean, come on. Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't always go on podcasts. But when I do, uh, we talk about adventure. I don't know. <laughs> we talk about family travel and acid pools and, and viruses. We've been all over the place. We've been all over the world. We've been all over the galaxy today with Derek Loudermilk. And Derek's got plenty going on. You've got your own podcast, the uh, the Art of Adventure podcast. And one-stop shop for all things Derek Loudermilk is DerekLoudermilk.com. That's Derek, D-E-R-E-K, Loudermilk, L-O-U-D-E-R-M-I-L-K, DerekLoudermilk.com. I'm going to have that linked up in the show notes at familytravel.org slash radio. Derek, thanks for the education. Thanks for the great conversation. I appreciate you, my friend, and all the best to you and your family hunker down there in St. Louis. Yeah, thanks for having me, Aaron. It's been, it's been a pleasure hanging out with you today. You know that there's more to life than your work, but do your kids know? Last year, 55% of American parents didn't use all their vacation days. Taking time off to travel lets you show your kids different sides of the world and different sides of yourself, like the side that does things like this. Family travel is easier and more affordable than you might think. You brought them into this world, now show it to them. Discover the possibilities at familytravel.org. Hey, it's Aaron Schlein. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of Family Travel Radio. All the notes for this episode and for every episode of the podcast are available at familytravel.org slash radio. All right, my friend, until we meet again, this is Aaron Schlein for Family Travel Radio, and I am signing off. Family Travel Radio.